Welcome to the Building Excellence Podcast. I'm your host, Bailey Miles. The Building Excellence Podcast is all about sharing inspiring stories from some of the most successful athletes, coaches, business minds, and thought leaders to help you build excellence in your life, leadership, and legacy. We hope this show provides you with tremendous value. If you find the show impactful, please share with a friend and on social media, as well as subscribe and leave us a review on iTunes. We would greatly appreciate it. Thanks. Now let's get to the show and start building excellence in your life, leadership, and legacy. Today we have Matt and Leslie Holiday. Matt is a seven-time MLB All-Star and World Series champion. Together, Matt and Leslie currently host the Table 40 podcast, which is all about sharing organic conversations about Jesus and life. And I would highly recommend you guys checking it out. We'll leave a link to that in the show notes. And today in the show, we sit down and discuss a lot of different topics ranging from you know their journey throughout professional baseball together, marriage, faith, building confidence, uh, embracing your place, and really just enjoying the journey. That's one thing I love about the common themes in their story is just how they are constantly open to the adventure of doing things together, being present, enjoying the moment, but also thinking about the end goal and where they want to be. With that being said, let's go ahead and dive right into the show. Hey everyone, welcome to the Building Excellence Podcast. I'm excited today to have Matt and Leslie Holiday with us. Thanks for being on the show. Yeah, thanks for having us. We're excited to, to be on with you. Yeah. Well, if you if you guys wouldn't mind, kind of give us some context to each one of your guys' backgrounds growing up and what that was like for you guys. I, uh, I grew up in Stillwater, Oklahoma. Uh, my dad uh, is from Pennsylvania. My mom is from Arizona. My dad um, played baseball and he ended up going to junior college in Arizona and, and meeting my mom. And then ultimately they ended up in, at the University of Miami. Uh, he got into coaching uh, and ended up back here in Stillwater as an assistant coach for at Oklahoma State. And uh, I was raised here around baseball. Um, all went to high school here, got drafted uh, out of high school. I was signed to play baseball and football at Oklahoma State. Uh, but ended up signing with the Rockies, uh, getting drafted out of high school. And, and uh, so that's that's how kind of how I grew up. I grew up around baseball. I grew up uh, spending a lot of time playing sports. I played basketball, baseball, and football. It was go, go, go all the time. And and uh, that's kind of what my childhood looked like. Yeah. So so growing up around baseball, was it something you knew you always wanted to be doing? Yeah, I, I've always had a passion for it. I mean, I, I think anytime you that's kind of what you're raised around, like that was where I basically grew up is at the baseball field watching uh, your dad. And um, I think that that's something that, you know, I think God does give you a passion for, for something. And, and, but I also think that when that's what you do and that's what you see growing up that I, I that was, that was my first uh, love of sports and, and, and got good at football. And people always say, why didn't you play football? I, I just love baseball. I had a passion for it. And, and that was my sort of my first love of, of sports. And, and so uh, that's how I ended up playing baseball. Yeah. Do you as you look back, were there any particular experiences that shaped you like early on in your life? You know, I, I don't think there was anything uh, dramatic or anything that really stands out. I just think uh, my dad was a super hard worker and, and this this. Uh, it was important for him, to him for them to be really good at Oklahoma State, and uh, I just remember watching him work really hard, and and uh, I think that had an impact on me. I, I watched him and Coach Ward and, and uh, some of the other coaches that were here 
um, and what it took to be successful. And that had an impact on me. And I, and I saw great players come through here and I saw discipline and I saw, um, I saw what it took for Robin Ventura and Pete and Cavilia and some of the, the all-time greats at Oklahoma State. You know, that experience of, of uh, getting a chance to see athletes at a young age in, in a college level, uh, the ones that, that ultimately were very successful, both in college and in, in the pros, and, and the difference between talented uh, young guys that, that come to college and, and weren't willing to sort of the little things and, and the discipline that it takes to, to ultimately achieve what, what you say you want. Uh, I think I saw that as a young age and at a young age, and, and that was impactful on me to, to help me in, in understanding uh, the guys that fulfilled their potential and the guys that maybe didn't that had that talent, but ultimately, you know, it, it didn't work out for them in, in that arena. So um, I, I feel blessed that I, I did grow up in, a, in an environment where I did see a lot of a lot of uh, great players come through here. And, and so I was I was thankful for that. Yeah, it's always interesting to hear um, kids that grow up around like have have dads that are coaches because you in a sense, you almost have like a bunch of older brothers to get to watch and learn from. And you're always around that. So you got to be exposed at a young age to be around that. I know you have an older brother as well that was a baseball player and now uh, at Oklahoma State. But uh, you just had good examples to be around. So you're talking about your story. You have those examples that enable you to see ahead of where you want to be. Um, Leslie, what about you? What was what was uh, life like for you growing up? Well, I should have gone first. It wasn't as <laughs> no. I grew up on a on a ranch in in Texas, in the Texas Panhandle. My dad was a rancher. My grandpa was a rancher, um, and everybody else was too. And so that's kind of what was my upbringing. I have two younger brothers, and um, we just had a great time in Higgins, Texas, being kids. And then um, unfortunately in the eighties, the cattle market went through the floor. And so we moved to Oklahoma. My dad started working for my, my, mom's, my mom's father who has a manufacturing company and he took over that. So we moved to Oklahoma and um, I ended up going to school at Oklahoma State and met Matt at Oklahoma State, enjoyed my time at OSU. And we were really young when we met, we were really young, when we got married. And so I would say a lot of my growing up really had to, do with being a wife and um, figuring out like young pro baseball stuff, you know, sure. but as a kid, I had a great, I had great examples. Um, my grandparents have impacted my life in, in an incredible way. I have wonderful parents, um, great brothers. And so, gosh, I'm, I'm looking back on my life. I'm, I'm certainly very grateful for my family and, and the things that they taught me growing up and how they've impacted my faith and my life. And what it looks like to be a mom and a, and a wife and just the faithfulness in that and the consistency in that I learned um, from my, from my family for sure. Yeah. Common theme is, is uh, from your guys' backgrounds is just having good, good people around you, good parents, uh, good friends. And obviously we'll, we'll definitely dive into the parenting part because you guys had great examples and now you guys are parents as well, but how did you guys meet? I've heard some stories, but what, how, how do you guys meet? Well, we met on a blind date. Sort of. So we, or maybe maybe Matt, should we talk about rejection first and having yeah. to deal with some rejection? <laughs> always adversity, you know. What I mean? <laughs> um, so what really happened was is um, we had mutual. So my one of my best friends from high school was dating a, a a girl from from Stillwater who was her sorority sister, and I was single. She was single. 
sort of. Um, <laughs> um, so they were like, you guys, you guys would be, you know, you guys should go on a date. And I was like, cool, whatever, you know, let's, let's do it. And so at the time I had a job uh, at this uh, on campus here and she was supposed to, I think she was supposed to come by and, and meet me or whatever. Anyways, she blew me off several times. Um, and so <clears throat> I was like, all right, well, so I guess this isn't going to happen. And then we ended up, I don't know, we saw each other at a party after the OU OSU game. We ended up at the same house where I had some buddies there and she had some friends there. And then um, we ultimately went on a date uh, with a double date with our, our two friends that, that sort of set us up. And uh, we went to a movie. Neither one of us, I don't think, remember the movie. We were just, we were, it was born. It was, it was a, you know, they, they used to put the bad movies at sort of the cheap, like 50 cent movie theater. And we ended up at this cheap movie. We talked the whole time. And then ultimately, uh, it was kind of the rest was history. We dated for a year and then we were engaged for a year and then we've been married for 21 years so yeah it's uh it was a good first date it was a good first date it took a while <laughs> to get there uh it took some persistence and perseverance yeah yeah well, i mean at, at one point yeah it wasn't going to happen and then you know uh all i had to do was get in front of her one time and she yeah that's the thing like there was no instagram back then i tell people all the time like if i would have seen this good looking guy i would have been like oh yeah heck yeah i'll go on a date with him but I didn't there I didn't know who he was. She was busy. She was it, in a sorority and you know, yeah. they have stuff going on all yeah. the time. So she's just socially butterflying around and yeah, that's had to squeeze me in. I know. It was hard. I had a really, really busy schedule in those days. And um I didn't have time for some baseball player that didn't really live here the whole time. I was like, ah, yeah. that seems weird. <laughs> and then I saw it. I was like, oh, I definitely want to go on a date uh, with this yeah. guy. Look yeah. at him. <laughs> So, and I, I heard it was the hair from oh, yeah, right here is the hair. hair. Amazing hair, long and yeah. curly. Good thing she wasn't too <laughs> attached to the hair because it went fast not long after. So it was, uh, yeah. thankfully the hair wasn't the only thing that I had going for me. Yeah. Yeah. That's an awesome story. So whenever you were in college, Matt, you had already signed to play baseball, correct? Yeah. So I was home in the off season, uh, living with my parents, you know, yeah. uh, as a, 18, 19 year old, um, you know, when you're done with the minor league season, you come home and, you know, you don't really have anywhere to go. So you just stay with your parents and work out. And, you know, I came back and trained here uh, at Oklahoma State. And, and uh, that's really kind of what, what it looked like. Mm -hmm. Well, it's, it's always a transition period just to go to college. But yeah. you transitioned, you went straight to play professional baseball. And I think a lot of people think that getting into professional baseball automatically off the bat is so glamorous, but it, it's not so much that in the minor leagues, especially early on, but. Yeah. I mean, um, honestly, it, it takes, um, I didn't know what I was, I, I had a good idea what I was getting into more than most because of my dad's sure. uh, background, but really until you're, you know, you, you kind of come face to face with the fact that it's a world game. Uh, when you walk into a, a lower level minor league clubhouse and there's, there's kids from all over the world, all of a sudden, you know, Stillwater High School doesn't quite seem so, you know, it, it, it becomes, feels very small compared to the, all the kids around the world that are trying to get those spots. So it's an eye-opening thing. We talked about earlier, you know, the little things you start to think, well, how am I going to separate myself from these, these talented kids from all over the world? So it is, uh, it is kind of eye-opening. And like you said, it's, it's not the glamour, uh, you know, we, 
we don't eat they didn't feed it they feed them better now but they didn't feed us well uh you know i had to figure out some things in a hurry that that uh how i was gonna to make things work but it was good i, I my parents sort of threw me into the, the deep end of the water pretty quick so i um i had to figure it out but the cool thing was is is there was a bunch of other kids that were trying to figure it out too so it was almost like a college type environment and that you have a bunch of 18 19 year olds that are trying to figure out how the heck well, we, how we, we got to make this work. You know, we're all out here alone, away from home for the first time, trying to be pros. And, and we had a lot of great coaches and, and uh, they did a great job. The Rockies had a, a really good group of coaches that helped mentor young players and, and uh, knew how to help 18 year olds become pros and, and what that looked like. So I, I was blessed. We had one man that, that passed away. His name was PJ Carey that I think a lot of us owe um, a lot of our growing up and, and success to and, and that he was kind of like a father figure to a bunch of 18 year olds figuring out what pro baseball looked like. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, there's always people that are put in our path that kind of as mentors or friends that kind of help us along the way. But for you guys, you, you met at Oklahoma state, you know, you were in college, you were playing baseball. How did that work out to where you guys started to progress and then obviously decided to get married and then obviously navigating through uh, jumping into being in professional baseball, you know, you're always moving. What was that like? I would say for us, a, another advantage we had, like we had no expectations, you know, I mean, or I had no expectations. I didn't really, it, our, our story is very, very simple. Like we enjoyed each other's company. We, we fell in love. And of course it was, it wasn't where it is now. I mean, but I, I adored Matt as a, as a young girl and I couldn't imagine my life without him and so it was just a very simple yeah I'll go with you on this journey and and I'm all in you know and I was raised in a family where when you make that commitment to marriage it's a all-in non-negotiable commitment there's no plan b on December 30th 2000 and so <laughs> you just you just it was just but it was such looking back on our life I mean I would say and what I would say too to young couples now is there's just no reason to complicate this stuff. I mean, it's just, you put one foot in front of the other and you, you hold on when things are hard. And yeah, there, it was hard whenever you move around a lot. I mean, I was raised, you know, and I mean, I did move when I was a kid, but it's not anything like what we experienced. And, um, but I had, like I said, I had great examples to, to look to about what this commitment looked like. And really your home is, the two of us. And of course we added a bunch of dogs and kids along the way, but it was just, I would, I would just say for us, it was just a pretty simple journey. Like we wanted to be together and we made it work. And, you know, we, we did move a ton. We've lived all over the place, but we're, but we stayed together. Like I didn't stay home and he didn't go out and do baseball. Like we did it, we did it together. And when we had kids, they did it with us. And so, um, I don't know. I, I would just say we did we didn't we did a really good job of not complicating the journey. Like what was a non-negotiable for us was Matt and Leslie are going to be together, and this is going to get ugly, and this is going to be messy, and it's going to look weird from the outside. But we are we are st we're sticking together, and I think that's what we did well. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I, I think you know, on the outside looking in, people would say, "Well, I was 20 and she was 21. We got married. We got I was 19. We got engaged." And and, and looking back now that we have an 18 year old, like, I'm like, whoa, you know, like, <laughs> we were a little bit, but Jackson, like, we were way too young yeah. for that. <laughs> well, 
but what I like she said like okay in this lifestyle like if if we're going to be together and we want to I want her to come and, and live with me then we need to be married and it doesn't matter you know we'll figure it out like it was one of those things where like we didn't have much money but we had roommates and we we just figured it out I mean that was the thing it was like an adventure so um it wasn't the perfect like okay I, i'm financially secure and and we'll we have, we'll have a small house and then we'll go from there and we we just kind of were like yeah we lived with people like it we just, had and it was great like those are some of our fondest <laughs> memories of, of our yeah. friends and teammates that we shared rent with and you know you just those are and you still have that bond with those guys that you know hey remember you know you just have all these stories built up that we did together um that you know that was what we wanted to do and so we didn't we didn't try to make sense of it we you know went, where if, if somebody on the outside would say well you know you didn't you need to have this in order and this and this and we were like yeah we'll figure it out you know and, <laughs> and we were probably young and dumb but it was great I mean we it's uh it's it was you know it was a blast honestly to to be young and in the minor leagues and married and we're on the bus and she and another guy that had a wife were driving a car behind us and you know we would stop and stay at crummy hotels and eat crummy food and just figure yeah. it out and and so that's we had obviously a lot of help along the way and, and our parents um you know would, would help us and and uh <laughs> yeah I was telling a girl the other day she, she's that's the coolest thing about moving back to Stillwater is we've had this opportunity to mentor college kids and it's been the most fun we've ever had like teaching Bible study. And then just, I go on walks with young girls and I have a, a little friend named Maddie that just graduated college. She's going to PA school, but it doesn't start to the fall. So she's got this semester to kind of just sit in what's next, you know, and it causes anxiety. I mean, transition, no matter how old you are, it's an mm. anxious time. And she was like, Leslie, I just, I'm overwhelmed. Like I'm having to pay my own bills. I'm having to do this and how to do that. And I remembered when we were very first married, um, I didn't know how to grocery shop. And Matt's a big guy, like he eats a lot. And I wanted to be a good wife. I mean, you eat more than the average average man, probably. Okay. And so, like, <laughs> and so I didn't know what to do, you know, because I'm cool with like, give me a sandwich and I'm fine, right? And, but I wanted to be a good wife. I wanted to make good meals. His mom's an excellent cook, you know, all that stuff. And I remember I overspent big time at the grocery <laughs> store. Like I'm talking way over budget there. And I sat in the parking lot and just bawled my eyes out and called my mom. And I was like, I, I can't even grocery shop for my husband and da da da. And I just remember like how difficult it was, like even the little things that now I don't even think through. I know, I know how to do it. But even those little things when you're very first married, I, I she did, my mom did have to send me some some money because I went I went over budget but I didn't Splurge, yeah splurging yeah, and grocery yeah, shopping I didn't know I didn't know but it's just it's just interesting like looking back on on the things that you you learn like you figure out and that was even one of them it's like learning how so I don't think we can properly prepare our kids for everything sure um, you know some of it they're just gonna have to they're gonna have to figure out on their own but yeah uh, and just like both of what you guys what you said is just figuring it out but also too like being present and enjoying the moment is also another thing that you just kind of see through what you guys are talking about. Yeah. It's just experiencing some of those things and enjoying it along the way. Obviously you guys had a goal to where you wanted to be at, but uh, enjoying the process of getting there is something that I think is, 
it's kind of challenging sometimes. It's, we easily just want to kind of just plow through it and get to where we want to go. But um, having the ability to enjoy uh, being together and doing something that uh, you guys are both having fun doing. So where was your guys' first stop uh, once you got married? Where were you at, Matt? Uh, we got married and we actually got married in Oklahoma City and the next day we left for what they called a, a winter development. The Rockies had a, a winter development uh, sort of camp for, for prospects. Um, so we'd actually left the, the next day driving to Denver. Um, we stopped and had our first meal at a, at a gas station that had Buffalo burgers and, and uh, cottage cheese. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then uh, it was snowing. And so we had to take this longer route to get there. We actually had to go south to go north. Um, so we ended up going to Colorado. It was a rough six months. We ended up staying with a host family for this. Uh, I got a couple different <laughs> ailments. <laughs> I had to have a foot surgery. Uh, ended up getting pneumonia. Uh, we lived in this basement and, and, and this is no slight towards the family because they were incredible, but a lot of the players got these giant mansions and these very wealthy Denver area people uh -huh. uh, had these giant basements to themselves and and uh and we as a married couple got uh, a smaller situation a, a much smaller situation uh and so they ended up becoming very good friends of ours but we were in a, a very small basement with lots of I was a married couple and my buddies are you know bachelors and, and they're living in these mansions and driving these escalades that these people are loaning them and I'm having to bum a ride into Denver, uh, you know, 20 minute <laughs> ride every day with a stranger man I've, I've never met. And, uh, so it was, it was, it was less than ideal again, but we didn't know any better. And so we just made it work and we got through pneumonia and we got through an infected foot and having to spend an extra six weeks in Denver because, you know, we had, I had to see doctor and, um, you know, looking back, it wasn't, it wasn't the way we really drew it up but that was what we did and we ended up taking a honeymoon later like we didn't even really go on a honeymoon for a long time and and so um we started out there we the first season we were married i think was in salem virginia uh which was high a and we had a roommate and we you know i played minor league ball and she uh would travel sometimes and sometimes she would stay home but most of the road trips weren't too far and, um Again, we just made it work. And that was sort of Salem, Virginia, and then Tulsa, Oklahoma. We got to come back closer to home for a minor league season. And then, um, or actually Carolina, North Carolina for a season, and then Tulsa. And then uh, I got a chance to, to, to play in Denver. And, and so we've just, we were just on the move. And uh, at the time we had two little dogs, uh, and no kids, so we were we were easier uh, to move around. Um, but we would just pack the car up and whatever was next, whatever we could sort of fit in the car, and and off we went. So it was uh, it was fun, but it was it was uh, it wasn't ideal. Like I said at the beginning, sure. early early adversity tests. Yeah, it's not Instagram worthy. Yeah, it, 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 it wasn't ideal. It was more intimate. So yeah. right. It was it was good. <laughs> Yeah, well, it's it's kind of fun to hear, you know, your stories because you're working towards becoming, uh, you know, a major league baseball player. You're traveling around. 
uh, you're figuring things out and it's kind of an adventure, right? Uh, it's fun for, I'm sure it's fun for you guys to look back and think of some of those memories together and see how it's all unfolded now. But, you know, uh, let's fast forward a little bit to kind of, uh, you know, when you get called up, what was that experience like? You're working towards those moments. And also too, maybe Leslie, how, how were you guys uh, kind of encouraging him throughout the process of, you know, trying to work towards becoming a, a baseball player? What was that like for you trying to encourage your husband in, in that way? You know, one of the things I admired about Matt when I very first met him um, was his, his un, he's super disciplined and he, his work ethic is impressive. It still is like, he's still, that's one of my favorite qualities that he has is like his work ethic. He pays attention to things. He notices little details. And so I think that it would be um, silly to say that, that while he was pursuing this dream of playing in the big leagues, that I was appropriately cheering for that dream. Like, I don't, I wasn't, I think I was just supporting him in the fact that I love you. If this doesn't work out, I know that we're going to be fine. And so I, and for me, like that was just always my attitude. Like I adored him with or without this professional career. Like that just wasn't, to be honest with you, it just really wasn't on, on my, my radar. But what I did know is no matter what this man could take, he would be a wonderful father someday. He would always take care of me and love me well. And, um, and, and lead our family well because of the qualities that were just in him, you know? Yeah. And so I, I don't think I did a very good job. Like, Hey, we have friends that their wives watch every pitch and they know things about baseball that some coaches probably don't even know. <laughs> that is not me. Like okay. I, I created this kind of barrier, honestly, between. And there's an advantage <laughs> to that as a player. Like I don't, <laughs> that's not, you know, like we always talk about this, like, I get enough baseball, like when I come home, like if you, if you have an opinion about my stance or baseball, I don't, I don't want it. Yeah. Like, I don't, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't, no offense, but like when I, you know, but it was, it was, it was a healthy, like dynamic. Like I, you know, she supported me in all the right ways that you need supported. Um, and I think that that was something we was, was it, I think an advantage of being married young and, and sort of growing up together in baseball in the minor leagues and um we just you know like i said we just were uh you know we were kind of young and just kind of dumb about you know what was going on and and so her, we didn't she, hold on to it too tight like i think because of the way that we were raised we were both raised in very conservative homes and like the fame and the money and the things that drive a lot of people that was that was something that was obviously we're very grateful for um those blessings those blessings are from the lord and we're we're very grateful for those things so to belittle that in any way would be unfair and disrespectful but we didn't hold on to that too tight and um our marriage wasn't rooted in the things of this world like mm. they they just it just wasn't and that's not what i saw growing up like our family didn't have have much my dad was a rancher we lived in higgins texas in the middle of nowhere but we were really happy people and mm. and we loved i mean the the house was full of continual joy even when things were hard and i saw that growing up matt saw that growing up he has wonderful parents and they didn't get paid like they do now in college baseball and it just is like so the money stuff and all the things that people associate with professional baseball matt and i just never 
ever held on to that too tight. And that wasn't the goal. The goal was support your husband doing what he loves to do. And how can I, how can I be his helper in this? And I've figured out like, I'm going to feed him. I'm going to learn how to shop the grocery store. I'm going to feed him. I'm going to support him. I'm going to, I'm going to pay attention to cues. Like if he's really down because baseball is the most humiliating sport ever. If he's really down, then, then, you know, some days they were just like, just be present. Some days kind of get out of the way. Some days, whatever, um, just figure, just figure those things out. And that's what my kind of plan. Yeah. Was. And I think in pursuing, you know, the major leagues and in the first part of your question and what that looked like, it, it was a struggle. Like I didn't have success uh, right away. I, I was, <clears throat> I always, always felt like I showed glimpses of potential, but was having a hard time putting the, the seasons kind of together that, that somebody would say, oh, that guy's a surefire major league player. Um, I had talent. I, uh, I was, I was, people always saw a ceiling that, that was high, but um, I ended up getting a chance to spend one whole off season with my brother, uh, who's a baseball coach and, and knows a lot about the swing, knows a lot about my swing. And uh, we spent, we spent about three or four months just really hammering away at some, at some, you know, kind of different uh, fundamentals. And really that kind of clicked for me uh, that winter. And then I ended up playing in the Arizona Fall League and, and putting that into play. And all of a sudden I had a newfound confidence that I was on the verge of, of, of playing in the major leagues, that I was comfortable and confident. I got picked for a USA. I started to get some experiences and have success at, at levels that, that led me to truly believe that I was a major league player. And so um, I knew my opportunity was around the corner. Uh, ended up not making the team in 2004 out of spring training, even though I had a great, great spring. Um, they ended up picking another guy. And, and uh, but a weekend of 2004, uh, we were in AAA. Uh, I got a call that, you know, one, Preston Wilson, one of the outfielders on the big league team, is going on the DL and, uh, and got called up. And uh, we were in Colorado, I was in Colorado Springs. She was in Colorado Springs. We were on the road in, in Memphis. And I remember I got the call and, uh, and obviously celebrating with my roommate. Um, so I, I first call obviously was to Leslie and, and no answer. So I'm like, okay, call back, power call, right? No answer, no answer, no answer. I need to tell somebody, right? I just got called up, you know, every child, you know, every kid's dream just got called up to, to the major leagues. I'm going to be playing tomorrow in St. Louis. Like I'm, or in, in Colorado. Oh, yeah. So I'll be flying from Memphis to Colorado early, going to need to picked up by my wife. Um, <laughs> can't get a hold of her. So I finally, I call my brother and, and my dad and my mom and, and I, you know, get to share the news. And she calls me back, you know, some 15, 20 minutes later, 30 minutes later. And she's like, what do you want? I'm watching <laughs> The Bachelor. <laughs> and I'm like, I got called up to the major league. So she. She still has some guilt, I think, about that. Um, Not really. No. So yeah. <laughs> she picked me, up, picked me up the next day at Denver Airport, and, uh, and, and we drove uh, to Coors Field. And a and, uh, pretty exciting morning. Uh, got a chance to, you know, if you've ever been to Denver, you sort of come around the, the curb uh, heading from the airport, and, and you almost look into Coors Field. And, uh, you know, just the excitement of, of knowing that, that, uh, that the dream that we were pursuing um had, had come true and, and didn't know what that looked like there was no guarantees obviously but for one day at least um was going to be a major league player and put on a major league uniform and 
so that was that was a pretty special uh, night into the next day uh, experience. I didn't end up getting in that first game. Actually, ironically, the next day we flew to St. Louis and I, I played my first game in, in Old Bush Stadium. So um, that was that was a pretty cool experience. Oh, yeah. Leslie, you're true to your word. You know, you don't have to you, you don't need to be involved. <laughs> so, you, uh, Matt, you didn't have to worry about her saying, uh, hey, why why didn't you swing at that three two pitch? So you just make sure you're off the bachelor and, and, and present. So, yeah, there was one season I got really into Tetris when he played for the A's. And, and so I would sit in the stands. I mean, this is super random, but I would sit in the stands and I would play Tetris. And then when they would say, you know, whatever, Matt, Matt's up to bat, I would look up and like play my game and look up and play my game. <laughs> so I tried to just honestly, like for us, I, felt, I mean, Matt has a family full of coaches, right? He doesn't sure. even know. Yeah. And I just tried to create kind of a barrier between what he did for a living, what he loved, and then my role. And so sometimes it was good to play Tetris in the stand. Yeah. Well, also too, I think it's, it, it could be even more powerful just to you just being present, not, you know, not necessarily being about baseball, but just supporting each other in the way that, you know, marriage is supposed to be supported. So I think there's something powerful in that. Um, and also too, going Matt back to your story, I think it's very easy for people to look from the outside in thinking like, wow, you've had this super successful career, but you, you had to battle adversity and work through things that everyone does. Everyone's got something you got to work through to get to where you want to be. Um, and so I think that's powerful. Just talking about, you know, being able to have your brother around you spend that off season, doing that stuff, uh, trying to perfect your craft to get to where you wanted to be. And ultimately it led you guys to have that opportunity in Colorado and you had some great season in Colorado. Um, you know, what was that like? Talk about, I know you guys have talked about the clubhouse and being around really, really good people. Um, was your faith something that was always important to you? And at this point in time, was that something that was pretty, pretty important? Yeah, we, uh, I would say sort of, we've met a lot of guys or a couple of different mentors in the minor leagues that were young couples uh, that we, we came across where we were young in our faith, but we were growing uh, that helped really in, in our, in our, process of, of moving forward and growing and, and the sanctification of, of after you become a Christian and what that looks like to grow and, and become closer and, and understand more. And, um, so at that point, you know, we were, we're not, we weren't where we are now, but we were further than we were, you know, five years before that. So um, faith was, was, was a big part of our lives at that point. Um, we had like you said, a lot of it, it was the cool thing with Colorado was it was a lot of the guys that we sort of grew up with in the minor leagues. We all kind of got to the major leagues at a similar time. And so five or six guys that we come through the minor leagues with, you know, sort of got 2004 slash 2005. And so it kind of felt like a young family uh, environment of young guys. And then Todd Helton, they called us Todd and the toddlers actually at the time because <laughs> he was the only veteran player that was sort of left. And, and so um, it was neat. It was a cool environment in that that we were all uh, hungry young players trying to make a name for ourselves, trying to make a, a career out of this. Uh, and, and one they always say, you know, want, easy to get to the big leagues, which is not. But they say easy to get to the big leagues, harder to stay. And so there's just this hunger to, to, to play and to get better and, and to, to ultimately be a good major league team. Um, which we ultimately in 2007 made it to the, to the World Series and, and, uh, and, and a group of young players and Todd um, uh, were able, and, and, some, and some key veterans, I, I, I hate to discount that, but um, 
It was just a, a, a cool environment. Guys, memories, uh, players that you still stay in contact with that, you know, would be uh, similar to like a college experience of guys you went to college with for four years and, mm -hmm. and uh, you, you build a bond as you grow up. That's, that's different. It's just, uh, you know, you're, you're figuring out who you are as people together. And so uh, there's guys that I, you know, I still talk to uh, once a week uh, on that team and in that experience. Um, so that was a great time in our life. Uh, you know, I was pretty devastated when, when actually they traded me because um, yeah. I knew my role there and I knew where I fit in the clubhouse and I knew I was comfortable with my surroundings. I was comfortable with everything I was doing. Um, and then of course the business side of baseball, you know, punches you in the gut and, and you try to figure out what's next. And, uh, you know, the, God was faithful to, to bring us to, to St. Louis and, and also to a, a whole new group of family, uh, what ultimately turned out to be a, a family. Um, so it, at the time it, it wasn't good. It wasn't feel good, but ultimately playing in St. Louis and guys that we ended up meeting families, we ended up meeting in St. Louis or some of our our greatest growth, greatest friends, greatest uh, interactions and, and uh, times of our lives. So um, it was, uh, you know, it's a, you look back on your career, there's just a lot of things that happen. And so yeah. um, it was young Colorado was great. And then, you know, as you get older, you take on new roles and, and uh, you take on a different, uh, you're in a new organization and, and you meet new teammates every year. And, and so, uh, some of that's it's really fun and some of it's challenging yeah and I think Leslie you mentioned the word transition you know you guys had to transition a little bit being in baseball everyone transitions in life but it's sometimes it's a good thing and it's always it's always a good thing when you have perspective on it right you're always learning from it but it's also challenging too you know you you're in a place where you really enjoyed the people in Colorado you develop uh great relationships with them and then you have to go to Oakland and then you wind up in St. Louis and then I know ultimately you wind up in New York and then Colorado again but uh you know talk about what it was like you know maybe maybe talk about faith and how how did you live out your faith in the clubhouse and, and then Leslie how did you kind of live out your faith um you know being with the other wives and, and things like that and um if you wouldn't mind well I would say for me like um kind of just a theme throughout scripture is like God's with us. And so there's a presence of God that's undeniable for, for a Christian. And for me, I feel like just the ministry of presence, like just being there and um, being engaged with what I believe that God's sovereign. So I believe that he placed us in those, those teams specific for, for a reason that, you know, maybe we won't even know <laughs> until we're, we're in eternity with Jesus. Right. So I just tried to stay to stay engaged and stay present in the environment that God placed me in. And if those relationships ultimately ended up um, in a place where we were sharing Bible study, because there was always a Bible study um, available in every team we ever played for, that was great. But my intention was just to build relationships, be present with the women and the kids that, that were in my circle of influence and, um, and just be faithful in that way. And again, it was just very simple. And I had the opportunity over the course of Matt's, Matt's career to lead a lot of Bible studies. Like I, you know, I've been a Christian a long time and, and we've been in baseball, you know, a long time. We kind of grew up in it. And so there, uh, there was opportunity for me to teach and I love to teach. I love to, I love to talk about Jesus. And um, that was been a passion of mine for quite some time. And 
So, you know, I, I just think, I mean, that's kind of a, a long answer to your question, but I, I just think for me, I felt a responsibility because I was a Christian woman in the game. I felt a responsibility to be present, to be engaged and build relationships that in my heart of hearts, I hoped would end up in Bible study to where we could freely talk about the gospel and talk about, um, just talk about scripture a little bit with more intention. But I didn't ever do that without building a relationship first. I felt like it's different because it's a work environment, right? This isn't Sunday school. Like you're going to watch your husband work. And so there's just a way to navigate that that's appropriate and in my opinion. And so um, that re- that respects Matt, respects the organization and, and all of those things. And so that was kind of my, my plan. That's what I did. But I love those girls. Like Matt said, there's, I, I'm still very good friends with, with many of the wives and there's such formidable years. I mean, we started our journey when we were in dating at 19 years old. And so from 19 to well past 30, what, eight, eight, 38, 39 years old, like we're in professional sports. And so those are big years and they're big years of growth and, and, you know, starting families and um, all of that stuff. And so it, it's just been, it's just looking back on it. It's just was such an honor to be able to, to just journey through life with those women that I believe that God intentionally placed in, in my circle. So um, yeah, I could tell you stories all day. I loved it. That's some of my most precious memories for sure. You know, I, w- I would say when you talk about sharing the gospel and, and you know, I'm, I'm not the most outspoken, like uh, raw, raw, like uh, not to say raw, raw, but, you know, I, I always I heard the term, you know, always share the gospel and use words if necessary. And so I always mm. looked at it like, you know, you're living out your faith um, every day in the clubhouse, how you treat people how you interact with your teammates, how you, um, how you live your life, how you deal with failure, how you deal with success, how you, um, it's on display. You can't hide in pro baseball. We spend more time with each other in, in the clubhouse than we probably do with our families. And so there's, there's a way, and I think in, in, in showing how you treat people and care for people and love people, um, when the time is right, when God leads those conversations, when he ordains those, those conversations, um, they happen organically and, and naturally and, and, and at the right time. And I found that way more effective and, than, than seeing, you know, some, some other things that you see where um, sometimes guys just don't want to hear it. And, you know, but if, if they see it, um, I, I, a lot of teammates, you know, come to find out, we say, well, you know, just watching some of the guys on the team, like <clears throat> Adam Wainwright and, and, and <clears throat> you know, Chris Carpenter has a great story and, and that he would never, Adam would invite him to chapel every Sunday. He never would go. And, but the way Adam loved him and, and cared about him and, and treated him, um, one day, you know, he, when, when life got really hard for Chris, um, he, he knew where Adam was and, and, how, and wanted what Adam had. And, and now his testimony of, of becoming a believer in Jesus and, and how his life, when it fell apart, um, he had those experiences to look at and to fall back on and, you know, stuff like that. So I just always thought, you know, there's always a time there was some conversations that you had on airplanes or buses or in Bible study that, that, uh, you get a chance to really explain the gospel. But I found that the way you treat the clubhouse guys and the way you treat people that can't do anything for you, uh, was more impactful 
than any sort of Bible verse you could you could tell somebody. So um, I, I just think that there's there's different ways to do ministry, but in in a professional environment, a professional clubhouse, that's a good place to start. Yeah, absolutely. And it goes back to both you guys' points, Leslie, your point on building a relationship, developing trust with a person before you even do any of that. And then Matt, just like living out your faith by the way that you you do everything instead of maybe there's lots of people in sports where there's lots of guys that think they need to be a leader by talking, but they don't they don't walk the walk. And so the typically and what I've seen is the people that walk the walk have the ability to talk. People want to listen to that. Uh, because of their example and their actions and what they do and people can easily catch on to stuff because of, they, of what they see not necessarily what they hear so i think that's a those are powerful examples of that um you know i really want to dive into kind of marriage and parenting too real quick but you know you, you have great years in st louis there was a story that i heard um about that example you're talking about in the clubhouse you you had mentioned one time uh colby rasmus was a young guy coming up and because of you know, you and Adam and some of those guys examples, you know, there was one time kind of like, you know, talking about Chris Carpenter, where he ultimately decided to, you know, give his life to Christ. And looking back because of the way that you guys lived or, or treated them in those moments. And that's really impactful on um, how you guys go about that on a daily basis and that example and just loving people for who they are, whether it's the the GM or the, the clubby. So uh, I think that's really, really important. But, uh, you know, you have great years in St. Louis. You get the Winter World Series. I'm sure it was a blast. You know, you go to New York. Uh, I know, you know, you were working through things and you had battled some adversity. So I don't want to, like, go over that story. But I know it's, you know, you keep fighting, keep fighting. Get to Colorado to end with the Rockies, which I'm sure was kind of cool. Then your career back in, in uh, Colorado where it started. So uh, talk about the transition, you guys getting out of baseball. Um, you know, all throughout that time, you guys have – you know, a bunch of kids. So what was it like to, to be a, a parent during that time? And then when you moved back to, to Stillwater? I think parenting the kids in baseball uh, was awesome. And so I, I think that we were able to really, you know, we didn't, I, we have lots of friends that have mission statements and stuff for their families and they're real organized about it. Maybe have a painted on their wall and all that stuff. We're not that kind of family. But I will say that what, you know, there's a saying that more is caught than taught. And I think our kids learned over the years of being raised the way that they were raised is that um, mom and dad are a team and there's nothing that's going to get in between mom and dad. And so I guess we're going with them, you know, kind of thing. And so we traveled around, we took the kids everywhere. We have um, two older boys, a daughter and then a, a son. So that's kind of the, the order there. And the three older kids really remember Matt's, Matt's career and they think they think back on it fondly. The little guy, I mean, he was like I, really small when Matt quit playing, but um, anyway, it's, it, it was so fun. I mean, it, there were, there, there's obviously challenges there. I mean, as far as logistic challenges that, you know, sure. <laughs> it was really messy, like flying all those kids all over the place and staying in hotel rooms and schools and whatever. But it was it was a good thing. I'm glad we did what we did. Um, our oldest son now is he's a senior in high school and and he wants to pursue this dream of playing in the big leagues. And I think he has a really good idea of what it actually looks like. Um, and that's a good thing, you know. And I don't know. I think for us, like I said from the very beginning, when we very first got married, and then even to now, like just keeping us together was what was most important. And we worked around that non-negotiable 
throughout his <laughs> throughout his career. So anyway, but uh, moving, you can talk about moving back to Stillwater. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the the thing like she's talking about, like the older boys grew up in the clubhouse. They grew up around baseball. They they uh, they made friends. They have you know they have friends of guys that I played with or their kids that that now we see out on the travel baseball. It's just a cool, yeah. I guess, small fraternity environment where. You know, our kids have lived a lot of different places and they have a lot of friends from a lot of different places. So while they may not have an, uh, where'd you grow up? You know, they, they probably don't know what to say to you. Um, but they also have friends and they have experiences that are unlike, you know, a lot of other people. And that, that you know, they have video of themselves taking batting practice on Wrigley Field of, as little guys and, and just, it's just been a cool, I think that, like I said, there's no perfect way to raise kids. There's no perfect uh, plan. There's nothing, there's no handbook that says, this is how you get good kids. Like it just, I think for, for us, we've just tried to love them well, love each other well first and show them what a healthy relationship looks like. And if we're healthy, then our parenting is more healthy and they'll see what good relationships look like, which hopefully is, is, has an effect on their heart and our faith and, talking about our faith and, and showing, living out our faith in front of them, um, I think is, is being genuine is, has been our strategy with, with yeah. raising kids. And like I said, yeah. it's not perfect. Like there's, we've, we've dropped the ball a ton on, on, on things and still do. But I think that if you love each other well and you love your kids and you show them, you love them and, um, you know, they've, they've turned out all right, like so far. So, um, <laughs> but I feel like what you made me think of this when you're talking, like, I think something that, that we've done, um, right or wrong, I don't know, time will tell, but we've been very consistent in being authentic. And so when we screw up, like we're consistent with, Hey man, I, I'm sorry. I mean, we're not the kind of parents that run like a dictatorship around here. Like we don't do that. It's a round table kind of, kind of plan in our home and you know to where we have discussions we want to validate the things that they feel you know and um and we don't do it perfectly but i think that we that we are very authentic in our relationships with our kids i think a lot of it has to do with we had jackson when we were 23 and 24 years old so we were really young when we had him and we had ethan and grayson pretty stinking young too and so i think when you're a younger parent maybe you can realize that you really don't know what you're doing. And so it needs to be kind of a group, <laughs> a group effort to figure this thing out. And so, but I think we've been pretty consistent about building like authentic relationships here to where our kids don't, we're, their behavior, um, we're not, I don't know. I, I just think that we're not into the behavioral modification thing. Like, when they ask, although there is times where I wish they'd modify their behavior. yeah me too like it's embarrassing <laughs> sometimes right they, they do things and you're like that's so embarrassing that you acted like that but at the end of the day like I care about the heart stuff and, and pray uh -huh. they'll be you know they'll mature there first right before they I don't I don't want to raise a bunch of fake fake kids like you know so anyway yeah. it's been it's it's wild but when you parent like that it can get it can get messy yeah maybe that's so many parents do that. Yeah, and I think, you know, going back to moving back to the water, I, I think it was an adjustment. <laughs> you know, we haven't, we haven't lived in a college, smaller town in a long time. Like we haven't been here and, and it's, 
and you have to refine your circle. Like I, I think the one thing about baseball is, is that you have this built-in group of friends and circle. And um, you know, when you have an off day, you can't wait to to spend it with, with your friends and and uh, and your teammates. And and so there's an adjustment when you stop playing baseball because now all of a sudden you don't have that built-in sort of uh, circle of people that are, know what your life is like and and have similar interests and similar. Uh, experiences and and, uh, and and all of a sudden you, you have things in common with with those people just because of what you do and so uh, it, it was an adjustment in, in, in finding our rhythm of life and what that looks like post baseball and trying to figure out you know what coaching looks like and, and Leslie's role and she's in school and how, you know where do you find your day-to-day kind of where do we feel like God is, is, is moving us and, and how are we having an impact in, in, in a, an everyday sort of situation. And so it took us a while to kind of figure out the rhythm of what that looks like and our kids readjusting to, you know, another place, another another school, another uh, group of friends. And and so um, just like anything else, there's, there's highs and lows and there's adversity and there's, you know, there's tough days and there's days where you feel like, you know, you're moving in the right direction. And I think we're in a good spot now. We've We've, you know, we've started a Bible study here and it's, it's grown and we've seen a ministry um, really start to grow and, and have value and, and kids, uh, you know, that, you know, call us when things are tough and you get an opportunity to speak into young people's lives is, is very fulfilling. And so we've, we've really enjoyed that. We've met some really great friends uh, around here and some coaches that um, are, are similar in, in life and have kids and, and you start to be, have your circle. You start to have your people that you look forward to seeing and, and hope that you get a night off so you can play cards and have dinner together. And, and so it's uh, it's like anything else. There's 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 no perfect place to live. There's no perfect, you know, way to live life. And 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 so you wish you had this sort of, you know, God would just give you this manual of how you you live your best life. And and really, you know, and what we've found is it doesn't exist. And that's what's so important about you know, your life in your house, like you, you literally are home where you are and trying to create that environment of, okay, well, it's different walls, but this is home. You know, when we come home at night, this is where our family is. And, and so um, I think that that's sort of been the, the, the movement since I've done quit playing. Yeah, no, that's great. There's different seasons of life and just navigating it. And I think you guys mentioned earlier before, just figuring it out and enjoying the moment. Uh, I'm a big John Wooden guy. And, you know, he's got a quote that things turn out best for the people that make the best of the way things turn out and just navigating, navigating life and making the most of it um, and enjoying the process, enjoying marriage. There was something you guys had talked about before on, on one of your earlier podcasts. It's just your marriage is an important relationship, but it's not the ultimate one. And I think that was a powerful uh, statement because ultimately it's talking about, you know, God is the most important relationship you have, then your spouse, and then you can navigate that through your kids and they're watching like you said, Leslie, more is uh, caught than taught. So real quickly, there's a lot more that I could dive into because you guys have a great story, but uh, we've got a little fire round for you because I want to honor your time and get out of here on time. But uh, I'll just say a, a sentence and you can, you guys can, you know, do both. You can answer it both or uh, you can, however you, however you want to do it. So you can do, you can do anything if. Oh, um. You can do anything if uh, I would say. I think if your if your heart and motives are in the right place, you can do you can do anything. Like if 
I mean, I, and I don't know that I believe you can do anything, but like, just because I like basketball doesn't mean I can play in the NBA, <laughs> yes. which I wish I could. But I think, you know, if, if you, I don't know. I mean, I think if you have passion for something, you can do it, you know, mm-hmm. like, to some degree. Like I could probably, if, if basketball meant enough to me, I could probably get a high school job coaching basketball. I mean, I, I just think that, you know, if, if you have a passion for something that you can pursue that and, and, and make, I think, get fulfillment out of that. My answer was just time, talent, and resources. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, okay, you need the talent, which I'm lacking in basketball. So. Okay. <laughs> That's awesome. Resilience means? I would think the ability to, I would say the ability to fight back even when you don't want to. And... Like even when it feels like you can't and that there's, you got nothing left that you reach down and find it. And, and, you know, for me, like trusting that God, it will give you what it takes to, to fight back through things that are hard because I mean, that's, that's coming. Like your hard things are coming. So I would say that's how I would answer that. I don't know. She's probably got something better. <laughs> no, when I think of resilience, I, I've been teaching our Bible study. We were, we're going one night, we're doing Sunday nights is Galatians, Wednesday nights is Ephesians. And so Paul obviously was the author of both of those letters. And to me, like, I think the coolest resilience quote in scripture is to live as Christ and die as gain. And Paul, I think it was probably like captain resilient, if that's a thing. And <laughs> scripture right because he's always getting arrested he's always he's always thrown in jail he's beat gets beat up all the time and so I think that that would be like a good mantra when you think about resilience is like okay if I'm gonna live I'm gonna live for Christ and when I die it's gain and so I think that that creates like a resilient mind because when we go through things that are difficult um we can glorify the Lord in those things and when we go through good things we you know we praise God for those things so I don't know that would be my that's what I think of when I think of resilience is Paul. He probably doesn't want these long answers. <laughs> this is great. This is, oh, hey, this is, this is supposed to be like one word answer. <laughs> hey, this is genuine and authentic. So there you go. We are. <laughs> um, favorite vacation spot? Oh, Punta Mita. Ooh, Turks and Caicos. Oh, you go Turks oh. and Caicos. I do. Uh, I'm a big uh, yeah. Turks and Salsa fan. I think, you know, we, we like ocean. And uh, so I, I would say... Anywhere there's blue water and good food, we're in. Yeah. Okay, that's good. It all comes down to. Oh man, it all comes down to Jesus for me. Oh, that's a church answer. Like she's like, if you just say Jesus, you get it right. <laughs> that's right. That's right. That's it. Well, I think that yeah. I mean, I think your 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 faith, uh, what you build your life on. You know, I, I think it all comes down to whether you're building your your life on a rock or you're building on sand, is is. Uh, so really, it's Jesus. Yeah, I know, but I was trying, <laughs> trying to go away from your your uh, your Sunday school answer. Uh, that's awesome. Well, we're done with the fire round, but uh, you know, the last two questions I have for you is: What is the best piece of advice you've ever received? Hmm. Follow Jesus. <laughs> no. Yeah, we just heard it. We just heard it. Yeah. What's the best piece of advice you've ever received? Uh. That's a good one. Um, I don't know. You go. I would say the best piece of marriage advice I've ever received is um, 
that comparisons the th like the thief of joy. I think that there's a temptation oftentimes in our marriages to compare marriages or compare stories or compare. Mm -hmm. um, and so um, that would be my marriage advice. I would say like, like for me, like little things matter, like just like the little things, especially if you're pursuing sports or you're pursuing a, a, a professional career at, you know, really anything, if you're trying to get to the top of, of an industry to where, you know, if you're pursuing excellence, like the little things matter. And so I, I think that that's one thing that, that I would say, I, I tell our, our players here at Oklahoma State a lot is, is like the separator between, you know, two guys with equal talent are the little things. And so there's a lot of people that want to play baseball and be pros and, and, and play in the major leagues. I and mean, there's all over the world. That's a, it's a great job, but how you separate yourself from people, you know, is the little things. And so I think that that's one thing that I've, I've sort of learned and, and, uh, and always reminded myself of, of, of the, the small things, the disciplines that it takes to separate yourself from somebody with equal talent is, is uh, I think ultimately, you know, obviously God's ordained my life and, and what I'm going to do, but I think that there's, there's something to sacrifice and, and little things of, of what it takes to, to achieve your dreams. Mm -hmm. That's great. Last question I have for you guys is uh, this podcast is called Building Excellence. What does building excellence mean to you? I think you just answered that. The best advice I've ever received is embrace your place. Hmm. That's the best advice I've ever received. Yeah, I, I think to me, like when you talk about living daily, like anybody can be excellent for one day, but it's a daily, you know, there's a lot of sayings, a lot of fun sayings about, you know, the rinse due every day, like, you know, that whole, that whole saying. Yeah. But I, I do think that, you know, like, Building excellence is one day at a time of doing, being excellent and stacking those days yeah, together. That's good. I don't think you can do it for two days and then, or three days and then it's the weekend and you're going to, mm. you know, it's an everyday thing. Like it's a, it's excellence is, is everyday discipline. It's an everyday, um, you know, checking yourself and, and what, what's your motives behind what you're doing. And I think that that's, you know, those are the people that I've come across that, that I, I would describe as excellent or, you know, super disciplined in their life and people that are very successful and how they got to where they're at. Mm. Yeah, yeah are, I yeah. would say too, like to piggyback off that, that's a really good answer. I would, I would say that we've got to be really mindful if our goal is building excellence or pursuing excellence is, is like, what are you doing when no one's watching? And I think that that's something that is really important to consider when you're when you're like kind of thinking about your own life and and just who you are when no one else is around and no one's watching is um something to really think about because i don't think that you can authentically build excellence if you're um not <laughs> if if you're if you're doing it for other people you know what i'm saying so yeah. I think that that's important yeah to but, ask yourselves those questions yeah those are those are great answers well um I just want to thank you guys for coming on the show. You know, it was really cool. I was, I was preparing for the interview and, you know, listen to more of your podcast. I already listened to a lot of your podcasts, but listen to your podcast, taking notes. And then I was thinking back and, and my mom, I'm, I'm a Cardinal fan. So I grew up a uh, baseball guy and she gave me this book one time. I think I had just gotten out of coaching and uh, it's called intentional walk. And it's like the faith of the Cardinals. And so it's kind of cool because I just think it's really interesting to see how God works and connects people and shares uh, all the things that they've learned. And I was looking in and 
you know, my mom was great. She wrote this nice little note to me, but then I had this ticket stub and it was, it was, uh, Matt was on it. So it was just really cool to think how, how God connects people to share and inspire and to really make an impact. And so you guys are absolutely doing that with your podcast, obviously the way you guys live your life. I think that's one of the greatest things that you guys have shared. It's just, you know, enjoy the moment, be present, embrace your place. Don't compare. And I just think there's, there's a lot in this, this podcast. that's really going to help a lot of people. And you guys are obviously doing that with uh, the players that you guys have Bible study with the girls that you're, you're leading on, on uh, Wednesday and Sunday nights. So Thank you guys so much for coming on. And if someone wanted to learn more about you guys and your podcast, what's the best way to do that? We got to hire someone. <laughs> <laughs> you can find you can find our podcast on any place. Apple, I think it's everywhere that you can get podcasts. Hey everyone, it's Bailey Miles. Thanks again so much for tuning in. We hope you found value in the show. And if you enjoyed it, we would really appreciate you sharing the show with a friend, subscribing on Apple or Spotify podcast, writing a quick review, or leaving a five-star rating. When you do that, it really helps get the message out and allows more people to hear these stories and help them build excellence in their life, leadership, and legacy. If you have any questions, thoughts, or ideas, I'd love to hear from you. You can reach out to me via email. It's bailey at baileymiles.com. Follow us on social. We're on all the different social platforms, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Or check out our website at baileymiles.com. Once again, I'd love to hear from you, so definitely do that. And then thanks again for joining me on this journey. And remember, life begins at the end of your comfort zone.